Let's give it up for the band leading us in worship today. Man, we've had two excited crowds. I don't know if it's in the air. Oh, I don't know. It's the year of yes. Uh, we have been doing this series for several weeks. Uh, we've gotten a lot of good reviews. The, the parenting sermon uh, people keep going back to. So if you weren't here for that one, that's a good one to uh, watch and share. All of our archives are on YouTube. So um, last week we talked about saying yes to the pressure. Oh, the pressure, the pressure never ends. The pressure never ends, it never ends. No matter how old you get, the pressure never ends. And today I wanted to uh, conclude, not conclude, but this week go with a, a, a title called the Yes to the Conversation. Yes to the Conversation. And we're going to look at two conversations that were had with God that led to a connection, and that connection ultimately expanded the kingdom. And, and as you are thinking about your part in this play today, I want you to begin thinking about do you say yes to the vision that God has for your life? And if your immediate answer is, does God have a vision for my life? Then your answer is, no, you have not said yes to the vision of God for your life. And maybe you don't even know how to say yes to the vision of God for your life. And I promise you, um, through the passage this morning, we're going to answer all of those questions. And before we get into this, though, I thought I would open with a little bit of history. Um, today, after services, we're doing our Discovering Genesis Metro class, and that's going to be one where we go over our, our history and we kind of project our future, give our vision and values, and we ask all the people to level set as we move forward. When Carrie and I moved here 20 years ago, it was just our family and one other family that we moved here with, and um, we wanted to plant a church, and we thought that you could plant a church that was all about people, that was all about reaching people, that didn't care about all of the other stuff, and uh, we, we came out of a group of churches that it really seemed like it was more about like what you wore and where you came from and who you knew, and it was just kind of it felt kind of icky, I guess, to be honest with you, that we would make church about that. And, and you would go to, you'd go to seed, that's a Baptist term, but that means like you'd get super excited about doctrines that are like really minuscule. It's like uh, pre, post, you know, uh, and that's half my people in here don't even know what I'm talking about. And, you know, it's like, oh, anyway, I'm going to digress. If I, I I'm going to wind myself up on that topic. I'm going to, exit that. So we moved here to plant a church, and um, speaking of visions, there's going to be two visions in this passage. Uh, I had a phone call one day, one of the oddest phone calls I've ever gotten. And to my shame, I just want you to know that if you ever call me and you start the conversation with, I had a vision from God, I would love to tell you that my first response would be like, oh, tell me more. But my first response is honestly that you're crazy, okay? That's, that's my honest first response. And I'm jaded only because I've heard a lot of people lay uh, the gift of vague prophecy at the feet of Jesus as if Jesus was like, yes, it's almost like a fortune cookie. You know, like God gave me a word for you that you are going to have a good week. Oh, well, thank you for that. 
Um, so it's, it's some people like over-spiritualize things. And so I had never met this person. I got a phone call driving down El Dorado. And when I say driving down El Dorado, let's just kind of set the stage. El Dorado was two lanes and cornfields on either side. When you walk out of this building, anything that your eye can see had not been built yet. The neighborhood Greyhawk existed. There was uh, not even a Walmart uh, down there at this juncture. Uh, there was a CVS and a storage unit. And so that's all that existed. And so that's where I live at the end of El Dorado and 423. And so I was driving down that road. I get a phone call. And lo and behold, it's this little old lady that was on her mission committee at our church. Her name was Janelle Boyce, okay? Janelle Boyce. And she called me up and she started the conversation with, I quote, well, I had a vision from God. And I was like, okay, what's your name? <laughs> and we began to talk and she said, um, you know, El Dorado, there's this piece of property that's over there, and um, I know the owner, and I would like to ask him to work with you that Genesis Metro might ultimately locate there. And um, I, I was very interested at this juncture, right? I went from complete skeptic to tell me more, okay? So we were, we were dialoguing about it. And she went and shared that vision uh, with Mr. Newman, Jim Newman of Newman Real Estate over here, Newman neighborhood over there. Um, and he, he and I began a relationship and it took um, about a seven to 10 year relationship. And then one day he offered that property for Genesis Metro to locate on. And I'm going to tell you that if I wouldn't have had the conversation with Janelle, I could have never had the conversation with Jim. That if she wouldn't have said yes to the vision that God gave her, then I couldn't have said yes to the vision that God gave Jim. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that the visions are connected. And that if you don't have a vision from God for your life, and if you're not seeking the vision of God for your life, how, are he, how is he going to connect you to the right people? Because God is all about connecting. God's created heaven and earth, spoke life into man so that he could connect with them. And then he has given us words. He's given us prophets. He's given us preachers. He's given us signs all throughout history because he's trying to connect. And so the problem that gets in the way is our sin. The problem that gets in the way is our predisposition. And so today I hope that I can make an argument from Scripture that God is trying to get a vision to you, and that vision is part of a greater vision. And then when we all say yes to the vision, we will see expansion. We'll see people that come in contact with our lives that are forever changed as a result of the life we live and the life we share. So that's what I'm asking you to say yes to today. That a yes today could, in fact, change someone's life this very week. So Without further ado, let's get into the message. It says in Acts chapter 10, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. Now, Cornelius is going to be a Gentile, okay? Um, to the Jewish, hyper-religious Jewish person, this would be a pagan. Now, seeing as how most of you are not Jews in here, in this story, you would be the pagan, okay? And so... Um, when you were talking about how you came to know Christ, it was not because you were probably real religious. It's because someone shared the word of God with you. And so this is my story. I was definitely a Cornelius. And so um, a man named Cornelius, a centurion, so that's a Roman soldier. So the people that were currently occupying the Jewish people, so even more reason to not like them. And so um, he was a centurion and was known as the Italian cohort. So God is trying to move the gospel now out of 
of the Middle East region up into Europe, which is eventually going to be how the gospel got here. A devout man who feared God with all of his household gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. So this man was obviously living a faith life. He was living a God-fearing Christian life. About the ninth hour um, of the day, he saw clearly a vision of an angel of God come to him and say, Cornelius. And he stared up at him in terror. Because if you were like driving down El Dorado today and an angel appeared in your car, you would be like, huh? You know, I mean, it's not, it's never been different for these people. Like sometimes I think we're like, think of Bible people that when they saw things that are crazy that they were like, oh yeah, another angel. No, it was, it was just as weird to them as it is to you. And so it says that he was in terror. And so he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms, so your connection to me has ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa, this is where Simon, who is called Peter is, Peter the apostle, okay? He is lodging with Simon the Tanner. Apparently, a lot of Simons hung out in this town, all right? There's two in our passage, whose house is by the sea. So a very specific person and a very specific place. Not, you're going to have a great week. Like, there's one guy named Peter. He's at this one house in this one city, and it's 40 miles away. So, man, what specificity was given in this vision? And so uh, Simon, or I'm sorry, Cornelius responds, and he sends some of his men immediately to go find Peter in Joppa. Point number one, there was a connection between obedience and opportunity. There's a connection between obedience and opportunity. You might ask yourself often, like, why, what, is it, what difference does it make if I live the Christian life? What, what difference does it make if I pray? What difference does it make if I give? What difference does it make? Here is a great example that his obedience... So it ascended, that like literally like, like the aroma of a candle, our obedience, our prayer, our giving, how we interact as a Christian, as a light in a dark place, that actually ascends as an offering up to the heavenly father and that it came up before him. And as a result of that obedience, it unlocked an opportunity. It unlocked a vision. So I want you to know, I just, I shudder sometimes to think how many how many opportunities are being forfeited because of a lack of obedience? So does it matter whether you pray? Yes. Should you say yes to pray? Yes. Should you say yes to sharing? Yes. Should you say yes to giving your finances when it comes to uh, following a, a, a disciple's life? Yes, absolutely. Makes a difference. And now we're going to find out it actually unlocks a vision from God himself. And this vision was to learn. So that yes was a yes to a vision to learn. God is constantly trying to teach us things, but we have to say yes to the vision first, and then he's going to expand what we know about him. I want you to think about the first time you came to church. You did not know anything. And if you weren't raised in church as I was, I remember they did this like Bible drill. They call them sword drills. By show of hands, how many of you here know what a sword drill is? All right. All right, just trying to gauge the people I don't like, okay? Um, just kidding, all right? It's a joke. But uh, we had like six people raise your hands, okay? I'm brand new into youth group, 
And it's like, oh, let's pass the time, sword drill. And it's like John 3.16. And what happens is that you flip in your Bible as fast as you can. And these little Bible nerds, it was like, like two seconds. And I'm over here in the index in the front like, John, where's that ass? I got completely owned. And I was thinking to myself, is that... Is that what Christianity is about? No, it's not. But it is about learning His Word. It's about getting it in you. It's about knowing God. And that that knowing God ultimately unlocks opportunities that otherwise we won't ever get. So you need to start asking yourself, are you costing yourself by not following after Him? By not engaging in the process? By not asking God what He thinks about things or getting involved in Christian community? God is always trying to connect things. And what we're getting ready to see is a pattern is going to unfold. That yes to a vision leads to a conversation. And that conversation is going to lead to a connection. That connection is going to lead to the expansion of God's kingdom. And so I just want you to begin thinking, are you open to a conversation with God this morning? Are you open to allowing His Word to challenge you his word, to, like maybe there's something he wants you to learn today, and if you learn this today and you apply it tomorrow, it's going to unlock something else next week. That, that these things are all linked together in a kinetic chain, and that if you don't do part A today, you can't get to B tomorrow. So I want you to know it's critically important to your family, to your faith, to your opportunities, and to the vision that God has for your life for you to say yes. Now, Let's see what happens with the Apostle Peter. Unfortunately, we're going to find that how it went with Peter was not, was not as good. And I think we're going to find some of ourself in Peter today because, you know, Cornelius' response was, response was like, yeah, I'll do it. But unfortunately, Peter is going to have an argument with God. Now, I know my people, okay? And I know my people that when I preach sometimes that you, you are like, okay, Tim, okay, Tim. Or you're like, wish you would stop. I wish you would stop talking to me, okay? I'm not. I'm not ever going to stop talking to you. I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach to you today. Some of you I'm going to preach at today. Are you ready for this? Are you, this can be a full contact MMA sermon. Are you ready for this? I'm literally asking, are you ready for this? Okay. okay I'll keep doing it until I get the answer, okay? So um, Acts chapter 10 it says, the next day, as they were on their journey, so they left out, they're going to Joppa, and they were approaching the city. Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. Huh. So Cornelius was at his house praying. God gave him a vision. Next day, next day, Peter's at his house praying, and God's going to give him a vision. I'm going to go ahead and preach this now before I get to it in a moment, but your vision today is linked and might be unlocking someone else's vision tomorrow. Why do you need to be seeking God? What if that guy over there, his vision is dependent upon your vision? That God's trying to get a connection between two people with vision, but you're the catalyst and they're the respondent. Wouldn't that be crazy if someone else's vision was wrapped up in whether you said yes today? Do you think it would take on more importance for you to listen in here, for you to seek God's face, for you to be able to practice Christian disciplines? Yes, yes. If you don't believe it's all connected, I happened to pick up the phone that day on the road to El Dorado. You think that was on accident? That lady called me and that 
10 years later, 15 years later, we're getting ready to build on that piece of property that God's going to bring it to pass. That You can't make it up. You can't manipulate it, but you better say yes to it. If we didn't say yes to moving to Frisco, then we wouldn't have been able to provide the opportunity. How many visions do you think have been birthed as a result of people sitting in the very seat that you're sitting in? How many marriage visions have been given to people that didn't even know how to have a godly marriage? How many parenting visions have been birthed as a result of Carrie and I and many others saying yes to God and serving faithfully at this church? It's innumerable. I mean, it's so many that's going on. We want to invite you to play a part in that, that you would say yes to God's vision for you, and you'll be amazed at who He's going to connect you to in the future. It's all connected. Now, let's see what Peter's response was. It says that while he was praying, he fell into a trance and as he was hungry. And so, hungry led him to a vision. So, many of you are in good company today, all right? If you've ever wondered, like, like if you're hungry right now, uh, that God could use that. And I like the Bible just does this quirky stuff. Like he goes up on top of a house and he's praying. You do this this afternoon. Just get up on top of your house and start praying. And then like, if you get hungry, you know God's getting ready to tell you something, okay? Um, and so this vision um, was one of the craziest ones in the Bible. It says that this sheet began to descend and it was like somebody was holding up, like angels were holding up the four corners, and the sheet was big enough to cover the world. And inside the sheet were unclean animals, okay? They were unclean animals. And as Peter saw it descending, he was like, <laughs> he was like, no, uh, bacon. Oh, no. He said, God, I'm, I've never eaten anything unclean. Now, I've never met a person who is afraid of bacon. And anybody like, like, bacon is your friend. Can I get an amen? Right. Bacon is so good, they wrap other foods in bacon. Bacon is like wrapping paper for food. You get to like tear into that to get to the even better thing inside. That's what I'm talking about, okay? And so Peter, it says that he was like, God said, rise, kill, and eat. He was saying, I want you to consume something that is way out of your cultural background. And Peter said, no, no, I will not have the pig in the blanket. I will not have it. It will not be so today. And so it says that they did it three more times. Put it up there on the verse. Three more times. So his, his first reaction, it was rejection out of reaction without reflection. And I know that everyone in here, if you've studied the life of Peter, he had this mistake a lot. He would just like kind of put his foot in his mouth and then he would chew until the leather was gone. That's how Peter did things. And, and here he's saying no to God. We look at the centurion, the Cornelius, he tells him one time and he's like, yes, sir. And he sends the guys out. This is the apostle Peter, the leader of the church. And he has to do it three times just to get his attention. And all three times he was like, no, 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 I don't want to eat bacon. And so he's not about the bacon, Peter. It's not about the bacon. And so we get caught up. We get caught up in our preconceived ideas about what we should do and how things should go. I want you to begin thinking with me about this this rejection attitude, that, that everyone in here has experienced this, that 
you have had a discussion. Let's say if you're married, you've 100% had this, but it happens at work too. You can be on a team. Have you ever started your idea? And as soon as you started your idea, someone interrupts you with why your idea won't work before you even got to finish the idea by show of hands. Do, do you hate that? I hate that. That bothers me. It's like, it's like, you haven't even heard it yet. You don't even heard it yet. I was like, I said white. I said blue. I just said a color. And you're like, no, blue will never work. Blue is terrible. No, just, listen, just hear me out. And I think that a lot of times God is trying to give us a word. And before he can even get the word out of his mouth, you're already like, no, 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 no. I'm busy. I'm busy. I can't give another night. I can't give another night. I got seven practices to do. I got a Netflix show to watch. I mean, you're going to interrupt my time anyway. And so you're making all these excuses and you reject God's vision for your life. And it's not like you reflected on it. You just instantly knew that you didn't want to do it. Sometimes with my wife, I call it the guessing game. It's that I was like, oh, I talked to, uh, I talked to Ben today. And she's like, oh, was he all right? Did he say? I was like, yes, but, um, well, let me, I talked to Ben today. Oh, did, did something happen with Sarah? And, and I'm like, if you'll just let me, I will tell you. I promise you, you can quit guessing. I am going to reveal it as a magician in just a moment if you will let me finish, right? Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Just let me finish. That's Ross. Perot for all the older people. And so anyway, um, what I'm saying is, is that we keep on rejecting God's word. And when we reject God's word, that's a problem. And, and I see people that even get upset. The apostle Peter here was clearly upset. He's like, hey, what's going on? What's going on? Like, you're trying to get me to eat this stuff that I've never eaten. I've never done it in all my life. And I wonder how many people are sitting here with the same stubbornness. This is the way I've been doing church all my life. Well, guess what? Maybe God doesn't want you. Is it effective? Is your church reaching people? Do you have a vision from God for your life? And maybe you ought to consider how you're doing it. It's interesting to me that people even get mad at me for preaching God's word. Like I'm delivering to you God's word. People get mad at me. Did y'all know that? Does anybody know that in here? Like they're like, like uh, I wish you'd stop preaching about that. I wish, I wish he's just, he's just being mean. He's just trying to get my money. He's just trying to do this. He just try man, we, we sent out the surveys and now we know, you know, you send out a survey, you're going to get all kinds of opinions, but it's like, we had, we literally, I want y'all to try to walk a mile in my shoes for just a moment. We, had, we literally have people that said, unless you wear a mask, I'm not coming. Unless everybody has a mask on. And then we had the exact next survey. If anybody makes me wear a mask, I am never coming to your church. Who, who do you want to win? You see what I'm saying? Like, you can't win. You can't win. And so we don't sit around and try to, try to figure out how to please everyone. We want your opinion. We want to minister to everyone. We want to minister to the online people. We want to minister to the people in the congregation. But just understand, it's impossible to please everyone. So we have to choose Jesus. We have to choose Jesus. I think Jesus is more important than all of the political punditry that's going on. Would you guys agree with me on that? Like, we gotta, we gotta, well, just wait, just wait. The moment's coming. I see people posting stuff. Listen, listen, listen. You need to judge what you say in the public arena by the effect it has on the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to know something. I'm as probably conservative as anyone else in this room. And God has given me the gift of debate 
that I could probably make both sides of the argument if I wanted to. Would I want to do that and cause someone to not come to church to hear God's word? Would it be worth it for me to prove to you why capitalism is better than socialism, that socialism has ruined every country that's ever been a part of? Would it be good for me to make that argument and then push people away rather than hear the word of God? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what political party that you belong to. We all belong to the center party and we all need Jesus as the president of our life. And the church said, amen. Oh yeah. Now see, there it was. There it was. See, that was coming. You just got to wait for it. You got to let it marinate a little bit. And so um, I want to challenge your preconceptions this morning about what God is trying to do. And we, we say, you know, we, we teach a song, at least we used to, in, for the children. And it was like red and yellow, black and white. They are all precious in his sight. And God gave Cornelius a vision to learn. And now he's trying to give Peter a vision to love. And man... You can't love God and hate people. You can't. And if you figured out a way to say you love God, but your life doesn't interact with people on any level to try to push the ball of the gospel down the field, I'm going to tell you, you've rewritten a version of Christianity that you can't find in the Bible. And here is God with a sledgehammer hitting Peter in the face because Peter was stubborn. And I hope today that maybe I would challenge you because I don't want you to waste your life. I don't want you to waste the breath. I don't want you to waste the vision that God had for your life because you were wrapped in your preconditions. When you say yes to Jesus, you surrender everything. And if he wants you to go talk to that person, that person or that person, the Apostle Paul said, I've become all things to all men that by all possible means I might save as many as possible. Every person that is walking through the doors is welcome at Genesis Metro Church. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. If Jesus was here, he would hang out with the sinners. He would not get along with the hyper-religious folk. And we wanted to build a church that would learn the lesson that Peter was learning. That it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter if you can flip to your Bible faster than anyone else. What matters is that you crown Jesus, the Savior of your life. Peter gets up and it says, as he was up there and praying and the vision came, verse 17 says, now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, it seems like it was obvious, right? I mean, it didn't seem vague to me, but Peter's now like, that's what we do. We like hear a word and we're like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm going to I'm gonna have to pray on that. No, that's you equivocating and trying to get out of it, okay? So um, let me think about this. I mean, he did it three times. I mean, it wasn't unclear. And so behold, at the same time, so the, the vision passes, men that were sent from Cornelius that had to walk 40 miles, a whole day's journey, showed up at the exact time. I mean, at some point, would you say the coincidence of you walking in here and hearing this sermon, like that it was the exact one that you needed and you hadn't been here in months, years, whatever it's been or never, and that God knew that you needed, at some point you have to say it's not coincidence, it's design and that God's sovereign. Anyway, and so it says, behold, these men were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry of Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out whether Simon 
uh, called Peter was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering, so he was perplexed and he's pondering, double P, alliteration, love it. The vision, the Spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, and I have sent them. I want to get this point across, and then I got to get to my, my clothes. But it's not an accident, okay? It's not an accident. You keep trying to attribute all of these things and say, it's an accident. It's not an accident. It's not an accident. What God is trying to get through to your thick head is not an accident. It's amazing how like there's movies that play this out to where, you know, they turn on the radio and it's this and then they go to the store and they're talking about that and then they go up to work and the cube far and like there's a TV at, at some juncture, he's getting this information to you over and over and over and over again and you're resisting through your rejection, through your reaction without reflection. And I want you to know that, man, people are in the crosshairs that God is trying to aim at someone else and you're the arrow. And if you refuse to be the arrow, he can't get to someone else. I'll share with you a personal story. Two weeks ago, um, I was doing my follow-up. I had my gallbladder taken out. That was exciting. Um, and uh, I had developed a pain that I was unaware. Uh, they did not inform me that this pain would occur. And apparently your nerves wake up um, after the surgery, and there's a, there's, without getting too graphic, there's one of the incisions. Uh, they actually had to pull my gallbladder through, and as they were pulling it through, it was a little bit inflamed, so they, quote unquote, had to work it to get it out. So, like, oh, and um, I, always an overachiever, is the way I look at it. My gallbladder's bigger than yours. And so, anyway, as I'm going to this follow-up, I'm, I'm in some mild discomfort. Um, I, you know, if you've had a kidney stone, it was like up there in that echelon, like, you know, it's like eight and a half pain. And, um, and so as I'm sitting there, I'm like kind of like doing a little, you know, that's what I do. I rock when I'm hurting, you know, is anybody else? Like, you know, I'm just like, uh. and uh, there was a lady that was uh, trying to check in, a little African-American woman. She had a middle school shirt on. I think she worked at that middle school and, and I heard her and she's like, oh, do I need to pay my copay now? I forgot my wallet. And they were like, well, you're gonna have, she was going to have to leave, drive back up to work and, and get her wallet. And I was like, God, just instantly. He's like, pay it. I got up and I hobbled over there and I, I was like, hey, hey, that's no problem. I'll just pay it. Yeah, here, here's my card. And there was like a series of events that happened next. She is looking at me like, like, are you crazy? Are you really doing this? And the lady behind the, the counter is looking at me and she's like, she doesn't know, she doesn't know whether she should take it or not. And so, and so I'm like, no, it's fine. She's like, oh, you don't have to do that. And, she, and then she went into the, like, well, let me get your number and I'll like pay you. I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I was like, I, I'm actually a pastor. I think in my code, like my Hippocratic oath, I actually have to do this. She's like, she's like, she's like you don't have to do it. I was like, I, 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 I want to do it. And so I, I, I give the lady my card and she's like, the little lady behind the office is sitting there, like a little beaming smile over the, the mask and the lady stopped behind her was running the papers through and, and so I, I swiped the card and I went back over and hobbled in my seat and started doing my rocking again <laughs> and the, the lady comes over and she's sitting beside me well what I'm trying to say is it's not an accident is that there was another couple sitting over here and, and all of a sudden I hear, I hear crying and this couple that's sitting over here 
this, this wife of this husband, she's sitting there crying and she's looking at the lady and the lady looks at her and she's like, you know, there's just not very many good people out there. And this lady that was crying, she's like, that was very nice. And she was, and then they called my name and I just went back and that was the, that was the end of the story. What am I trying to say? I had to say yes to the vision, right? I had to say yes. I didn't even know that couple was sitting over there and I certainly didn't know the reaction that I was going to get. I wonder how many times a day God is putting just the simplest thing for a $35 copay. Do you think that that woman and that couple went home and told that story about a pastor who helped someone? Yep. That's not for my glory. That's for God's glory. But if you'll let him let you be the arrow, he has so many people around that you don't even see. That's my next point. Peter enters Cornelius' house and he says that Cornelius fell down before him and worshiped him like this was like his hero. And Peter lifted him up saying, hey, stand up. I'm just a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me, God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Yes to the vision of love. If you're willing to say yes to the vision of love, then God's going to show you some people that you missed. You've been walking by those people all your life. And we are crazy how we subdivide people. We got city people and they think country bumpkins are hillbillies. We got hillbillies and they think those city people, they don't know. And we have people that we don't like their music. And we have people that we don't like where they live. And those stuck up people that live in that neighborhood. And, and there's this. And we, we devise all these reasons in ways that we prejudge, preconceive, and we say that these things would separate us. Therefore, I don't want to have anything to do with them. And I'm here to slap you in the face and say to you that in the church, it's about Jesus. It's not about color. It's not about your background. It's not about your sin that you've done. It's about Jesus. And Jesus should unify us. I preach to the people on the left, just like I preach to the people on the right. And if we ever allow these things to separate us, if we ever allow these things to cause discord in our hearts, I will promise you it's because you've taken the main thing and you've made it second, third, fourth thing in your life. And therefore you're walking by these people who need Jesus in their life. And when we say yes to the vision, and then they say yes to the vision, two visions that said yes gave birth to a relationship that would have never existed had they not said yes. I want to ask you, how many people are waiting on you to say yes? How many relationships are possible? There's people that you need that you don't even know you need right now. And if you don't say yes today, they're not going to be in your life on time. What do I mean? I can say when people walk in here, you get connected by serving and getting involved in life groups. How many times could I tell you it's played out? That you walk in here busted and broken, something's going wrong, 
And that's usually why people start going to church, by the way. And you realize your kids are getting to the age where they're going to notice that your mom and dad don't love Jesus because they don't go to church and they don't read the Bible and they don't pray at the mill. And like, you know, we don't want to be thought of as bad, so we better find a church, you know, and raise them right. Well, then here you are. Here you are. When you go to a life group, what I found is the thing that I'm struggling with, with absolute precision, Someone will be in that group who has already gone through that. And now as a result of my struggle, they have the ability to pour into me. But I have to say yes to the vision that God wants me in community in order for that to happen. And then guess what? Once you go around the bases, you'll be sitting in a life group and someone's going to walk in. And you're like, now I get to do it. Now I get to take them around the bases because that's what God did for me. When you say yes to the vision, it has to be. It has to be. You can't love God and not love people. Yes to the vision and yes to a conversation. Cornelius and Peter had a conversation and the kingdom of God was expanded. Back in the Old Testament, you remember Moses had a conversation with a burning bush and it led to a whole nation being set free. You'll remember in the Old Testament also, there was a little boy named David and he was willing to have a conversation with Samuel. And as a result, we have the greatest king that ever lived. We have Joshua who had a conversation with his mentor Moses and he was able to cross the Jordan River. Yes to a conversation can lead you to places that you never imagined. And it will connect you to people that you thought you would never be connected to. And when it's all said and done and we stand before God, You'll never be sorry that you said yes to the vision. But you'll have woeful regret if you keep saying no. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you move the people today to say yes. That they would not resist. That they would not reject. But they would reflect God upon your goodness and that, God, when they reflect on your goodness, they would see there's so much work to be done. That life is so much more than houses and degrees and money and retirement and sports and all the stuff. God, we need you to be number one in our lives. We need to say yes to the vision of reaching people. And, God, when we say yes to you, it's amazing how alignment starts happening how alignment in our health, how alignment in our finances, alignment in our relationships, alignment in our marriage, alignment in our profession, that all of a sudden passion that we have lost is regained. Joy starts to enter into our heart. I can only imagine what it's like for people that have yet to say yes, sitting in a worship service such as this, and as somebody around you is singing and worshiping and, and obviously joy has filled their soul and it's literally pouring out all around them that you're looking at that person and, and you know deep down inside you don't have that. You don't have that. But you want it, but you don't have it. What's between you and having that? You know what it is? You saying yes. You saying yes. If you said yes to God right now, yes to the Spirit, 
leading you, then all of a sudden, gratitude would fill your soul. If you said yes to Jesus and yes to the cross, there would not a day go by that you wouldn't find something to be grateful for because He saved you from your sins. He forgave you. He gave you eternal life. He washed you white as snow. He made you clean and whole again. And now you get the opportunity to go share that with the people around you. Life couldn't get better than that. If you don't have that today, say yes right now in the quietness of this moment. And I promise you, when this band begins to sing, it will be different for you today. Matter of fact, your wife will be looking at you going, that's not the same guy that walked in here today. I need that guy in my life. I could fall in love with that guy in my life. I mean, it's that real. Parents, you're sitting there with your kids. They're not singing. They don't have joy in their life. I'd be broken as a father. I would be broken. I would be in tears if I walked into church and my kids never were moved by the Spirit of God, never even cared about the Word of God that was going forth. I would be predicting pain in their life and I would want to head that off at the pass. Oh God, that you might allow students that are sitting in this service today to say yes, to be a light in the dark campuses where isolation has taken its toll, where the godlessness is causing kids to think about taking their life and making decisions that are going to forever ruin their life. God, we need light in the house so that we can have light in our communities. Can we commit today to saying yes to God? Would you stand and raise a hallelujah? Put your hands together.